This program does not necessarily reflect the views of Joy 1250. That I cannot keep Because of all the bad choices And mysterious voices That blind me, blind me, blind me I see good days and bad days Come and go Blistering summers and five feet of snow I believe in redemption And I hope that proceeds All the confusion the misery brings now, Many of you have been waiting for Donald Miller To come on this show for a long, long time And he's here today, folks, joining us Along with Hiram Joseph, one of the sweetest voices in Canadian Christian music. Man, he's got some good vocal cords. And also joining us as a, sort of a celebrity co-host, Madeline Smith-Osborne. I always get confused with your name. Can I? Is it? Is it just Madeline Osborne now? Is it Madeline's? Because you had to like the whole. I used to be an actress, and I had to keep my old name and all that stuff happening. So, who are you now? I'm Madeline Osborne. Okay, thank you. Because <laughs> when people say Madeline Smith Osborne, do you go, oh, yeah? You don't no, know. I don't know if I do. I'm no. pretty. I'm pretty used to it. I, I've had to deal with that for so many years now, getting my landed immigrant status, getting my permanent resident card, which nobody ever asked to look at, and all of those documents. And they always want to hyphenate my my. Uh, they always want to hyphenate Smith Osborne. You know, Smith is just my maiden name. Yeah. I replaced it with my middle name, which I never should have done. No. My husband's mad at me. I should have kept my middle name in there. Yeah. I didn't know what to do. So yeah. drop all of it. Okay. Madeline Osborne's Thank good. You. Thank you, Madeline Osborne. When people talk about you as this actress who was involved in all these great movies, like what, what's your reaction to that? Like you heard the intro, right? So yeah. you'd worked in Urban Cowboy with John Travolta, All of Me with Steve Martin, Funny Farm with Chevy Chase, The Super with Joe Pesci. What's your, like, do you cringe at that or do you go, yeah, I win- that's cool? Well, no, I wince a little bit because because um, it's over now. Yeah. And, and it's not that I don't ever want to hear about it. It's just that I get worried that people think that I'm still performing. And when yeah. they find out that I'm not, they get really disappointed. Oh. And I go, okay, I'll just go away now. Yeah. You know. So you're nobody really? So as long okay. as you, no, I'm really not. <laughs> so as long as you say used to and yeah. has been and yeah. stuff like that, used then I'm comfortable. Been. Oh, man. <laughs> well, we have a used to and has been cast on our show today. That's the life I, I was live. a wannabe, but then I was. Yeah, speaking of wannabes. But it's over now. Man, I was in Nashville last week, and um, the, the, here's my three words for Nashville. You ready? Look at me's wannabes and Christianese. Ah. Actually, it wasn't it wasn't Nashville. It was the uh, the GMAs that I would put those words to the Gospel Music Association Award Ceremony all week, right? Ah, uh, yeah. Wannabes, look at me's and Christianese. That oh. would be very thick with everything we're talking about today. Oh. You know who I was impressed with though? I had a I had a little conversation with uh, Rebecca St. James. Have you heard of her? Yes. Wow, is she ever nice. I love her story. I heard her story very briefly one day on the radio, okay. and that's quite a story. Okay, now I've not heard that yet. Oh. So all I know is she's Australian, and so we connected with that stuff because I used to live there, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, in those kind of schmooze parties where you, you know, you, you shake, you know, Michael W. Smith walks by, you go, oh, yeah, you know, thanks for being here, and nice to see you, and that kind of thing. And he, you know, he kind of goes, yeah, whatever, pats you on the head and walks by. In those kind of parties, you're sitting at a table having dinner with Nicole C. Mullen and, you know, all these kind of celebs around, um... She looked directly at your eyes. Uh, you know those kind of th- those social yeah. things where people shake yeah. your hand and then look over your shoulder to see who else yeah. is in the room. She just yeah. stayed right with you. Yeah, it was tremendous. Yeah, <laughs> Phil Kagey cut it loose. Uh, How old is he now? He's got to be fifty something, isn't oh, he? Okay. Yeah. Well, gee, that's I don't think not he's too far out of our neighborhood. Who's old? Rust Half is fifty-two. No, he's got to be older than fifty-two, isn't he? Anyway, Rust Half was horrible. 
I love Russ Taff. I do. I love his singing. But I don't he, know. I oh, don't you don't know? know? He used to sing. Well, I know. For, I know the name. Yeah, yeah, he used to sing with the Imperials, right? Uh, okay. Listen to the trumpet of Jesus. You ever heard that song? No. no okay. Anyway, came out and read off his lines off a uh, napkin. He'd written the, the words down on yeah. a napkin. You know, yeah. and that's just not. That's uh. cheesy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anything goes these oh, days. Man. Who knows? It does. Maybe he was just like. trying to be natural. Yeah, he's he's trying to be authentic. Postmodern is what he was trying to be, right? <laughs> so it was interesting. The whole uh, the whole Nashville scene. Took a car, drove out towards uh, Leapers. Forks, Leaper's Fork, I think is what it's called. And um, uh, apparently that's where all the celebrities live outside of uh, Franklin, Tennessee. And do they leap off? They do. They, that's they why leap. They call and, that. Yes. Okay. I don't know what they do. Lost a few? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but a gorgeous area. Just beautiful. Yeah, I bet area. it is. I'm jealous. The hills, oh. the trees, the rivers, the country, the rolling, the, the, you know, every. Oh, and that's why the Judds. They drove past the Judds' house and said hello to them. And, <laughs> you know, they didn't really say hi back, but. Um, anyway, it was a beautiful, uh, a beautiful experience. Being now, have you there. ever had that experience? I know you're, you're a pretty famous guy now. Oh yeah. Have you ever had that experience where you've been in a room or you see a line of people yeah. or everybody wants your attention right. and like, so what do you do? Yeah. I think the first time that will happen will be at my funeral. Oh, that hasn't happened yet. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, because in all no. fairness to these people, yes. and, uh, that's not to take anything away from your lovely experience with Rebecca St. James, because I think that is really, really special when yeah. someone has the ability to tune everyone else out and pay yeah. attention to the person at the moment. Um, in all fairness, it's hard. It's hard. And when those people live that, that that's a lifestyle to them. Yeah, yeah. Being famous in a room with everyone who wants their attention or being famous in a room with other famous people. Yeah. It's weird. It's well, just not natural. Well, you've you've done it. The only the closest I've ever come to is after the end of a, of a service so when I was pastoring in Australia. You know, people would come up and want to chat with you and that sort of thing. And I, I made an intentional effort. To stay in their eyes. And you have, it's gotta be intentional. Just stay It's in not there. natural. No, no, cause you, well, especially for someone so ADD like me. I mean, I'm all over the room usually, right? So, but you're the actress lady. What was, was that a weird thing to, for you? Well, to yeah, do that? And, I, and I wasn't even that big. I wasn't even that big of a deal, but, um, that's why I say that. Mm. It is a an onslaught of your attention. Boy, talk about attention span. Yeah. I don't know what you would call me, but that was a challenge Nuts. to my attention span. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and lots of times, um, just you're trying to figure out what is it that people want from you? What exactly. is it that they want from you? Exactly. And if they want you too long and you know you're there from, for something else, yeah. or you know you have people that you want to see and you get caught off guard yeah. by a stranger who just wants you to perform for them yeah. or be something for them, and you're trying to figure all that out and pay attention at the same time, I'm sure I look very spacey to people, too. Really? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, Your man. eyes are like going like, mm, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, well, I expect people to be real 24-7. I guess I have a high expectation. Well, that's good, too, though. That's good, too. Yeah. I, it drives me nuts. I mean, I, and I've said to my circle of friends, I said, if you, and I actually said this to the guys down in, in Nashville, I said, if I, if you catch me acting differently while I'm down here, because, because there's a schmooze factor to this, slap me. Yeah. Or my close circle of friends. If you, if you think I'm a different person behind the mic than I am just kind of in front of you, you, you have to hurt me because yeah. I, I do not want to be that way. That just yeah, drives me bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. I, I find that to be a challenge in church. Oh, really? Yeah, the whole yeah. Breath Mint Sunday thing? Well, you know what? I get excited. There are certain people I want to talk to. Right. I have in my mind, I have to, I got to make sure I talk to so and so and so and so and so and so. And then somebody else's face comes before you and you, you're changing gears all the yeah, time, and right. I get a little excitable, and I'm a little bit chatty, and I can get a little <laughs> hyper in social environments, and I'm, maybe I come off like that sometimes, too. Right. You want to listen to everybody, but you also came in there going, I want to talk to this yeah. person and this person, 
and then you know your kids are running around and my husband has to be here and things just get yeah. a little bit hyped up and then my eyes probably start darting around too and yet okay i am listening but my eyes could be darting around. Right, so. right. Well, a little word to all of us then. Stay in the person's eyes in front of you and maybe uh, plan your Sunday a little better. <laughs> contact the people you need to contact them on, that you need to speak with on Sunday, before Sunday, so that you can be, in, you know, whoever God brings in your path on Sunday, you can just stay exactly. with. Exactly. Like my older daughter, uh, she's going to be 13. She just stares at me sometimes, and after every service, she says, we're always the last, last people all, out of here. You too. We're always the last people out of this joint. <laughs> I said, well, that's what we're here for. Where did everybody else go? Where are they rushing off to? <laughs> My kids hated that. When, when we were pastoring in Australia, they could walk home. So it was great. They were oh. gone, right? Doom, boom, there it is. Yes, my daughter could walk home in the time it takes us to extract to ourselves. Home. Yeah. <laughs> now we take two cars to church. So it's like, bye-bye, Dad. See you. All the best. Take care. Anyway, um, how how is life with you? Last time we had you on the show, Madeline, uh, you were here with uh, your famous hockey player husband, Mark. Uh, good to see Mark doing some color commentating on there. Yeah. Uh, on the, uh, he's on the score. He's on the score. That's where I was going. Score. Yeah, yeah. And he does quite a good job. I enjoy that. Yeah. I, I think people enjoy him. I think people enjoy uh, he is not especially polished. He's not perfect. No, it's perfect for today, though. I think people love that. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what we're looking for. That's... I think he's scared to death every time he goes on. Sorry, Ozzy, you don't want me saying that. <laughs> he's so real. He's yeah, just he so real. And... He is. He's always been known as that. Uh, he's been a... A genuine guy. So last time you were here, we we heard about how you folks met as a couple, uh, the dating thing, uh, how you got you know the whole marriage, the proposal stuff. We heard everything. We got into you're going. Did I really talk about that? Yeah, the no dating thing. Because we yeah, never did that's date. right. Yeah, the no yeah, dating thing. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And of course, you were the uh, you were the famous actress. He's the hockey player. It was just you know uh, you were the Ken and Barbie of the social scene. You were. Gotta be kidding. You were, you know it. Um, and now uh, he's not here, so we can just focus all on you. It's all about you for the next uh, wee while. Yes. How's life? How are things going these days for Nerve-wracking you? Nerve-wracking to be here. <laughs> Nerve-wracking to be here. <laughs> well, um, how's it how's going? life? Yeah. Well, you know, it's just full of issues. Yeah. Full of issues. Jump from one to the next to the next. Um, you know, honestly, I w- whenever I speak about my life or want to um, even make a comment to myself about my life, I immediately slap myself and say, my life goes so much more slowly and probably has so few issues compared to other people. But, you know, when you're in your body, you think it's you think it's hopping all over the place. Right, right, um, right. If I if I honestly have some perspective, I'm just dealing with normal things and probably below average normal things, really. It's just that I've been keeping my life at such a slow, I think, easy pace for so long hmm. for a variety of reasons that sometimes I'm not uh, sometimes I'm not as aware as I should be that things are really at a at a good pace, yeah. honestly. Yeah. But so how do you get I perspective? Do have some issues. <laughs> you say you've got a lot of a lot just, of baggage. Yeah, how you do you know get, what? Just listen to other people at church. Really? Listen to other people at church and go, Oh my goodness, I'm still living in fairyland. Yeah. Honestly compared to what some people are going through. Really? And I really do try and listen to great length of what other people are going through because it's very lengthy hmm. for a lot of other people. That is one thing. I, did you ever hear someone's story and go, but you seem to be a magnet for trouble? Not in a judgmental way, but but you just kind of go, come on, how can this much bad stuff happen to one person? Yeah. Go well, on. that's exactly what I meant. Yeah. That's exactly what I meant. So whenever I think my life, I'm just overwhelmed with this, that, and the other, hmm. oh, it just takes one tiny little prick to go, oh, yeah, you're in fairyland. Yeah. Just, you, you know, get moving. Um, let's talk about your mom. Yeah. She's not doing well. Yeah. Well, now my mom's 81. Okay. And so she's lived a good long life, uh, longer than... A lot of people in the universe, a lot longer than most people in history, right? Mm-hmm. So there's nothing tragic about the fact that she's going to die. 
There's nothing tragic about that. But, yeah, what is tragic, obviously, is she's in a nursing home where she, you know, everybody dreads that. Mm. Everybody says, promise me you'll never do that to me. But, you know, my dad took care of her at home for this last six, seven years after her stroke and and did everything he could possibly do until it was going to kill him. And until he was not going to be able to take care of some of her issues. And, of course, she she broke her hip in the fall. And that's like, oh, that's like the death knell for so many people. It's such an insurmountable injury for older people who aren't fit or who have other problems anyway, like my mom does. Insurmountable injury for them to to get over. So, unfortunately, she never went home from the night she went to the emergency. Mm -hmm. She has never been home. And now she has slid, as of this last month, into this phase where <clears throat> she no longer is able to even turn herself over in the bed or hold oh. her own fork. So, And um, doesn't open her eyes very often, and we're not sure exactly why that is. Um, she's had tremendous, tremendous dryness in her eyes, and I don't think anyone can know what that's like unless you've had it happen. And that, I think, is, is part of the stroke business, but... So she doesn't open her eyes very often. And, um, is she cognitively aware? Well, she, at, at times when you least expect it, don't whisper in that room oh, when you're in that you. room with your mother <laughs> because she will come right back to the surface and you go, oh, what, mom? What did you say? <laughs> oh, God, she heard what I said, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So she will just whiplash you into going, I am still here, people. Is it all, does she have all of that under control? It is such a mystery. Mm. Is she controlling? Is it selective hearing? What is that? I was just there for a week and just watching this unpredictable resurfacing. And, and sometimes when she's in this incredible, long, sleepy dream state, you'll just say, well, maybe I should just ask her permission about this instead of assuming she's asleep. Mm. And she'll just shake her head. And I tell you, I was overwhelmed with a with a level of respect for for someone in that position, for my mom in that position. You cannot assume anything. Mm. And yet you you do have to assume that you, you have to be ready to do everything for them. But on the other hand, you cannot assume where their consciousness is, where's their will, where are their desires. And she's not forthcoming about much of anything about her own emotions, which is has the hardest all, thing for us to deal with. Has she always been like with. that? Well, I want to say no, and that it, yet everybody else in my family will say, but Madeline, she's always been like that. Really? She will only reveal exactly what she wants you to know, that kind of thing. Right. So but she, she's always held her cl- cards close, but not I, to you. I, well, no, it's not that it's not to me. I'm wondering, is it become a lot like my mom? Ah. But my mom was always very gregarious, and she could be hyper-emotionally and socially. And so that's the, the bigger-than-life mom is the mom that I'm used to kind of relating to, and we can get very, ooh, we can talky-talk, talk, talk, talk. You know, when we get together. So I think I was not able to see that. Maybe the way um, quieter members of my sure. family would sure. be able to see that yeah. much more clearly. And But now I'm seeing it in a way that's very shocking to me because I want to uh, re- I want to relate to my mother spiritually. It's coming around. And where are you, Mom? And are you looking for the Lord? And, and So where is she at spiritually? I do you know? I do not know. And when I thought that I would go there, and, and my mom and I have had mammoth spiritual discussions. We have a very, very uh, oil and water kind of relationship about that because I grew up Catholic. And then when I decided not to be Catholic, that was heartbreaking for my mother. I don't think she's ever gotten over it. Hmm. But I'm also the most excited person in my spam- family spiritually aside from my mother. So I'm also the one that she can jaw with the most about that. Hmm. 
And to not have that with her now is very painful for me. Wow. Um, and I thought when I went to visit her that I would just gently be able to probe her. And I would have, I have this uh, relationship with her already where we can talk about all these things. Not there. Because of her physical state or because? I do not know. I do not know. Isn't that driving nuts? Yeah. And and where I thought I would be able to go boldly and just start these conversations with her, whether she just related to me with her body language or whether she went in and out of dreamy conversation, I thought, I can do that. That's no problem. But without this clear invitation, either by body language or by something, to go there with her, I felt like I did not have permission to go there. Mm. And I actually did see her um, receive other people in my family more clearly than she received me. Explain that. I wish I could. I mean, I, I went there because I was afraid that my mother was in her last days or weeks of being lucid. And I wanted to have contact with her. I wanted to bond with her, if at all possible. And I wanted to spiritually connect with her. And have a conversation with her that we haven't had yet, which is, what are you looking for, Mom? What do you see? And and are you mm, are you looking forward to? Are you talking yeah, to him? Yeah. Are you? What's next? Yeah, yeah, I wanted to have that conversation with her, so I went. Now, in the meantime, my brothers and sisters who don't live there also became a little alarmed, and they kind of came in all at the same time too, which is fine. It's wonderful sure, sure. for everybody to be there. Um, I actually did see my mom respond to their presence. And not necessarily, not necessarily really engage with me. Oh, that's weird. And I don't know what that was about. I kept asking the Lord, what is this about? I also decided to be thrilled that she was, for instance, relating to my youngest brother who hasn't had the rich relationship with her that I've had. Mm. And, and I thought, you know what? If all I see is her say to him, I need you, come here, come talk to me. That was like, that's great for me. If that's what I, all I get this week is see that bond reform, then I'm thrilled because I, I have had great times with my mother in my life. I've had rich, rich, rich parts of her. But maybe in her in her uh, frailness or her lack of energy or her, her struggling to to stay cognitive or to stay alert or to stay with whoever's in the room, maybe she just simply feels that the energy needs to be expended on them, but you and her are okay. So, so in other words, she can, she can just chill with it you. It could be that, or it could be what she really wants right now is coming from other people. Hmm. She, I felt she really wanted her sons there. She really wanted my nephew there. She, she calls did, did, out for her older brother in her dreams who's long gone. Did it hurt you to see that? I have to admit it did. Yeah. But on the other hand, I really want my brothers and sisters. I, I, want, I, want I want my mother to be, to be comforted right now. I want her to have what she wants. I want my brothers and sisters to have what they want. They're really suffering, you know, with some of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's in a different spot, but sure. a couple of them are really suffering with, with her going and, and all of this. And I, I'm looking around. I'm genuinely able to say, I really want what they want. If I can't have what I want right now, I will go to God for that because I have had rich bonding with my mother in the past. I am not going to get greedy here. Okay, Madeline, what stops this, you from but... just saying to her, let's talk about God? Um, well, I guess that little daughter in me that didn't get a big enthusiastic greeting from her. Right. Yeah. And I go, okay, now, is there something about me being in the room? Am I overreading this? Does my presence imply something? Hmm. And 
is my mother not ready to go? But, I mean, she looked at me and said, why are you here? Oh, really? Yeah. Now, I wasn't the only one she said that to. Yeah, she yeah. was genuinely confused. Why are you all here? Yeah, right, right, right. And I think to myself, as happy as I know she's going to be in about three seconds that we're all here, her first feeling is, I'm confused, and what does this mean? And maybe she doesn't want to go there. Hmm. I am filled this is there's good about this and there's really bad about this but i'm filled with implication when i come cuz i always want to talk about spiritual things mm. i don't always do that but i'm always looking i'm always hoping okay. always get excited have, have you I'm irritated with, your mom with spiritual oh, conversation yeah. okay so you have you been oh, would you yeah. say you've been one of those uh, jesus daughters that have been in her face about god stuff uh probably in right. the past right. yeah i've been spending a lot of time lately making up for that okay so could you say to so, her in these words something like uh, look mom you know you know, obviously you and i have had lots of spiritual talks and God talks and stuff. And, and you know, it's really important to me. And you also know that this is, this is a, this is a crucial time in, in, in your life right now. And you know that I would, I, I'm the kind of person that I, I would just love to talk with you a, about this just again in sort of a, you know, what's after yeah. life kind of conversation. That's exactly what I thought I was going to do. Yeah. And, and so would you be open to that or do you not, do you just want me to back off? Could you ask her that? I could probably ask her that, and I would, uh, yeah, I could have. Why didn't I? I felt this heavy sense of, um, this is so such mysterious behavior my mother is exhibiting, and all of a sudden my focus went on her and what she needs and what she wants and where is she and what is she thinking, and I simply had to put my agenda in the drawer. Which my I, satisfaction I, that I wanted. But I don't think that's bad. That, that's not bad. It's not bad that I wanted that, or it's not bad not that, that you I put, put it, it away. Put it away. Well, I, you know what? It's kind of lo- not like me to do that. But I just felt like, gee, maybe this is the godliest thing I could yeah, feel yeah, right now. Is yeah. I, I don't even, I don't know that my mother wants to go there. She's picking out a, certain people that she feels comfortable with right now, and yeah. she's not paying attention to me hardly at all. I need to pay attention to what this means before I try to find out some things. Madeline. Because I do want to find out some things. Oh, sure, sure. But I, I suddenly felt incredibly selfish about that. I just couldn't do it. Um, I get that. That makes sense. I mean, this is a, a fairly common scenario that I think most of most people are going to go through is when the parents or, or a loved one is laying there and, and you know the death is imminent within the next six months, whatever. Uh, you see them waning away. And you want to bring up the spiritual talk or the the God talk, but but timing and and sensitivities and and uh, and will this affect our relationship? But that's never bothered you before. But I think a lot of people have gone through this sort of a deal. So the bottom line is, Madeline, are we allowed to think like this? If my mom dies in the next month, and I haven't taken the initiative to finally one last time raise the issue of Jesus in her life, will I regret that? That's exactly it. And what I feel now is what I didn't expect to feel, which is this looks a whole lot different than I thought it was going to look. I have prayed passionately. Other people have prayed passionately. Um, it's confusing when I look at my mom because, honestly, my mother has declared Christ her whole life. But there are some confusing, weirdo things surrounding behavior and relationships. Right. And... Well, and her take on life in these last many years, and then you start to go, oh, oh, I don't know. I just don't know. Where's the joy of the Lord? Where's the peace? Where's the reconciliation? Where's all the fruit? Mm. But then when I was home, I almost felt like um, I felt like God allowed me to stumble across a bunch of her writings because honestly, I had to, I was cleaning out her desk, and 
I, I stumbled across some things. And stumbled, or, stumbled or snooped? Come on now. Stumbled I'm or snooped? I'm just not going to characterize myself <laughs> right now. It's too, it's too hard because, oh boy. because I felt like I needed to see some of those things and I almost felt like, like God was saying, okay, yeah. I'm going to see some things, hear yeah. some things. Hear something. And I saw some gorgeous ponderings about Jesus Christ in some of these writings. Wow. I saw this unbelievably long, eloquent letter that she wrote back in the in the early 70s when she was a CCD teacher in our Catholic church in Bangkok. And it was the most eloquent, deep letter that she was writing to the parents of her Christian education students about wanting to bring them to Christ. And this is what they're like. And this is what I think they're not getting. And this is what I think, this is where I think we're making mistakes. And I thought, wow. Like, this is full. This is full to the brim. The fact that it doesn't necessarily always square up when I see my mother yell at so-and-so or I or I see my mother complain about this or, or my mother is not happy for me in this, is it supposed to make sense to me? You know, the mystery that I've never been comfortable with. I don't... I like it when things are mysterious when I listen to music and go see movies. But when I want That's things personal. in my real life, I, I don't want any mystery. <laughs> like, I want this to be really clear right now. Why can't this be clear? Why can't you tell me this? I'll right. tell you. Why can't you tell me? Yeah. And I suddenly felt like, oh, mercy me. God is way more mysterious. His personal relationship with her is mysterious. And if I don't get to see it look exactly like I think it should look, shut my mouth, move aside, and this is her life, this is her death, this is God's child, and as people have reminded me recently, he loves her way more than I do. He wants to be with her way more than I even think I want her to be with him. It just may not be my assignment. And I just go... So is it a fault uh, for us as Christians when we we venture down that alley of trying to presuppose whether that person really is or isn't a Christian. I mean, when I interviewed Kathy Leo, one of the first things I said to her was, I am so sorry for judging you from who you were on television as to whether you really were or really weren't a Christian. Oh, yeah. or, or we hear yeah. uh, Sting's lyrics in his latest CD, Sacred Love, and we go, ooh, it sounds like he's a Christian, you know, just just from the lyrics. And maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But but we always seem to kind of go down that, it, it, it um, funnels into that one thought of, are they a follower of Christ or aren't they? Yeah. And should we apologize for that thinking? Oh, yeah. Because it does seem a little too narrow, God-in-the-boxy kind of yeah, a thing. And absolutely. And, and, and your mom's spiritual life, just because you don't get certain aspects of it, doesn't mean that she's, she's not going to be accepted into the kingdom, correct? I mean, if someone followed me around, Madeline, with a microscope, not even a microscope, just followed me around. They would be questioning whether I was a follower of Christ. Oh, yeah. And that's exactly what I was full with when I was there. I, I just thought, okay, this, this is looking very, you know, there's a lot of, there are a lot of problems here. Mm. And my sister who takes care of her and my father who takes care of her, they've been having a lot of problems. Um, but on the other hand, I want, I want to go back and remember when my mother was my hero. Why was she my hero? She was my hero because I saw what she sacrificed. I saw how passionately she stood up for things. I saw how she gave to us. She's the one who led me to Jesus in the first place. She's the one who kept pricking at my conscience when I was in college and just getting out of college. Maybe in not these exact words, but the message was always, what about the Lord? Where are you with the Lord? Where are you with the Lord? Like, that's all I really, really need to remember right now. Wow. Uh, And no matter how fuzzy it starts to look at the end or no matter how cranky the relationships are or this or that and the other and I just go 
you know, why isn't she comforted by the Lord and why this and that? <clears throat> let me ask you, let me ask a fairly intrusive question as if the other ones haven't been. Um, do you think that there are more parents than we think who are raising their children to be Christians, proclaiming to be Christians, but the reason that they are buying into the Christian thing is because of their parents. If they didn't have children, would they buy into it as much? In other words, they're setting up a, a moral foundation for their children, which they know is brilliant and the best, and it's a good way to go for their children. But as far as owning it and living it and resonating with it and, and, and dreaming it and, and, and lapping it up, the, the life of Christ that he's promised us, when our children grow older and leave and kind of go away, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about something like that later, it's almost as though they they've been living the Jesus thing for their children, not for themselves. Do, do you think there's a lot of parents that are doing that? I can only guess there are, and I'm having to ask myself the same thing. Um, I'm, I'm looking at all of this stuff. I'm looking at all of this stuff. Everything I thought I knew, the way I thought things would look, and if A plus B equals C, then you should absolutely be seeing C, and all of this, mm -hmm. you know? And of course, we project like crazy, and I'm a huge projector, and I'm getting so convicted on this in my life. <laughs> every day, every night, and it, it feels awful, but it's a good thing. I just want to be done with this stuff, you know? But I'm, I'm looking at this all the time in a variety of different ways, like with my church and with my own children and with my own, you know, relationship with my husband and my relationship with my family and my friends and, and culture at large and all of this stuff. And I think, I think that's exactly right. This is why Donald Miller's books are like, Wow. This is why they've had such a massive impact on me, because this is what he does, not because he's primarily a teacher, which I don't think he would call himself that at all, but because he is someone who's been through it, exactly what you just said, and is throwing a dynamite into that package and going now. Get rid of all of your ways and methods and graphs and this and that and the other thing. What is it really raw down to the bone between God and man? What is it really? Hmm. Look at that. Try to figure that out. And now, what should it be between you and your fellow man, you and your kid, you and your mom, you and, and oh boy, it's, it's just, it's just amazing. Because I think the thing, the greatest thing that I have learned from, from reading his books and the fact that they came into my life so serendipitously, if that's the word, at this time in my life, because I can be a big control person. I can be a, ooh, I can be a big method person. You know, as, <laughs> as free spirited as I am and as loose and uninhibited as it appears I can be, sure. I, I, do, I do like those methods. I like those things. I like those outcomes. I like those predictability things. It's getting blown to bits in my life because all the thing, good things I think I'm doing, I'm looking and going, well, have I accomplished anything? Right. Have I accomplished anything here? And one of the things, like I said, that, that have ministered to me so greatly from this book is that what he distills down to the bone is, what is loving people with the love of Jesus? Hmm. Is it telling them all the things they need to know and all the things they need to assent to? And you need to shape up and you need to believe this and you need to understand this and you need to clean this up. Or is it just people want to be known? Hmm. People want to be known, and if they do not feel genuine, a genuine desire to know them coming from you, what in the world are they going to care about what your worldview is? Nada. Nothing. People want love. People want to be known. People want to feel safe enough to get to know you. And if that foundation isn't happening, 
We're just yiggity yak 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 yak. Loud clanging cymbals. I, yeah, I finally, I am really, really understanding what that means. Mm. You know, you think you understand what that means. But the great thing about reading Donald's books, for instance, is you, he like takes you in a time tunnel and you live with him through the ways yeah. his deal got blasted left and right and how he was able to distill down. Yeah. Well, if this is what I really want and what I really need, why do I think it's going to be different with the guy sitting across from me? Yeah. So why would I treat him any differently? Yeah, Donald Miller certainly has the ability to paint it so you can taste it. Oh, my word, yeah. Yeah. And and speaking of that, uh, Donald is on our show a little bit later, uh, probably around 4 o'clock, folks. Uh, Donald Miller, author of Blue Like Jazz and To Own a Dragon, his latest book, and Searching for God Knows What, and a couple of other ones are in there as well, but it's just silly to to, uh, to name them all. Uh, joining us as a co-host for the entire show today, it is just an absolute privilege and honor for me to have you here, Madeline Osborne. Madeline uh, has been the, the Hollywood actress thing. She's done that, and uh, she's a mom and married to an NHL hockey player, and uh, how, you know, when people say who are you who are you how do you define that how do you pull that apart who is madeline smith uh you know what i i'm trying to find that out i used to think that was the i'm gonna say dumbest stupidest question i ever heard this is back when i was you know you think you know everything and back when the reporters were interviewing you 20 even in my 20s or whatever who are you what a (laughs) stupid question you what do you mean you don't know who you are now i'm gonna be 49 next month Hmm. Now I, I'm understanding this question because, yeah, I'm asking it myself and going, well, let's just get rid of all the answers that I either thought I used to have. I think I need to discover this too. Who am I? What's really important? What am I really here for? I mean, I do know, I know those answers, but now I need to go deeper because, because I don't know why. <laughs> because I just know I do. Really? I'm starting to feel very tongue-tied and very childlike about this question. And I can only think that's a very good place for me to yeah. be right now. Yeah, and and uh, that's one of the reasons I asked you back on on uh, the show and have been after you for a few months because uh, I, I like the I like the um, aroma that you're giving off these days as far as your spiritual life, where life is heading. You're in, you have this, some transitional things happening. You know, you, the the illness with your mom. Uh, you're no longer the the big Hollywood actress that everybody wants your autograph from. Although, again, I told you this before, the number one name aside from Drew Marshall that people find my website through is Madeline Smith. Isn't oh that gosh, nuts? I can't it's it. just tremendous. Anyway, um, but you have, and your children are now growing up. What are the ages of your children? They're both about to be thirteen and seven. Thirteen and seven. Yeah. Okay, so you know you're you're getting into that. Uh, I don't know. I think all of these things are just transformative. Uh, additives in this particular point in your life, which is, or which is basically, it's making you go, you know. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, what the heck's going on? Yeah. So, and plus, you've grown up in North America, and and I think there's a growing underground of people who are disenfranchised with North American uh, Christendom. I think we're looking around at our, and, and not in people always go, oh, Drew, take it easy on the churches. So, I'm not just talking about the churches, I'm talking about the body of Christ as a whole, and and especially in North America, with again our consumerist mindset. What's in it for me? What am I going to get out of this? You know, it's all about me. It really is. And how does this translate into, you know, millions dying every day around the world? Uh, let's just talk about Africa, you know. Stop whinging about me and maybe put some focus on, mm-hmm. on something over there. So, anyway. Um, yourself, your own spiritual walk with this transitional phase that you're in. And I guess we're always transitioning, so it's a bit, a bit ludicrous to, to describe it like that. Um, what's been happening to, happening to you spiritually? As far as that in-depth personal walk, you and Jesus, what have been some aha moments that you've had in the last 
wee while? Well, I'm I'm having a hard time. I'm having a hard time. I'm having a hard time believing. No. Having a hard time. No. Digesting. No. I I do not have a hard time believing. Although I am as mystified and and rocked as everyone else by why does God allow this? Why does God allow that? Sure. Whatever. I know that's way too big for me, and that's just not going to get answered here. Um. And I know the real question I I, I need to keep asking is, um. It's not that I'm having trouble believing in Jesus. I'm having trouble believing in myself. Hmm. Like, I don't worry about whether he's for real. I worry about whether I'm for real. You know? Hmm. I that, that scripture that you always think applies to someone else, if you're a real believer, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? Hmm. There are many people in the end who will say to me, Lord, Lord, and I will say, I did not know you. So are you worried about the bye-bye factor, the not letting you in? Scenario? You fooled yourself for twenty years and never knew it? Well, yeah, I get dramatic and I think I think that sometimes. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Yeah. (laughs) I worry about whether I'm for real. Yeah. Like am I deceiving myself? Because how often am I doing what he says? Right. And one of the problems that I'm having that again I I always have to point back to myself, which is another great thing that Donald Miller does through all of his books is he gets so cranky and angry about everything that's going on around him. And then what he's left with is, well, what about you? What about, uh-oh, the problem is really with me. Uh-oh. And that is it. Hmm. That's it. And that's where I am right now, too, um, which really he just verbalized and, and uh, sketches out in his book so beautifully, and which is why I fell in love with them so much, because that is what I'm going through now is it, it, it's. The problem is is with me. I can't fix my culture. I'm very frustrated with my culture. I feel like I'm at war with it all the time and mm. very confused about how to how to be in the world, not of the world, how to love the world and yet, you know, take a stand. Keep my standards high yeah. and all that stuff yeah. and I'm I'm really really not doing a very good job with it right yeah. now. So, yeah. I need to put all that down and just go, okay, well what um what is really real about you? Mm. And what are you doing that's in line with Jesus? What are you doing? Do you journal? No. You say that? Oh, because I know I should. I think it's a fantastic thing to do. I love it when other people do it, and yeah. I just will not take the time to do it. No, me neither. I just won't. But I would be interested in, in, reading, my head in reading your journals. all the time. I, I want to read your journals. <laughs> no. I, I'm, that's one of the reasons that I don't write them. I'm yeah, afraid no, someone's no, going to no, see no. them. But do you not want that? Are you not crying out for more of that authenticity from, from your brothers and sisters in Christ? And let's just be real about this. Let's be open about this. Because I'm not afraid of, of, uh, of the disintegration of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ. He's going to stand and be oh, there yeah. for always. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not af- afraid of, clear of, of that. putting up a mirror to Jesus or myself or a, yeah. you know other religions or whatever. It's like, whatever. That's not the deal. Yeah. So I'm not afraid to say to Brandon Manning when he's sitting here going, my prayer life sucks. I have a horrible prayer life. Yeah. And I get emails from people saying, oh, you shouldn't be doing Christian radio if your prayer life sucks. You go, are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly why I should be doing this yeah. because I think the majority of people who are listening, yeah. their prayer life sucks too. Yeah. It's only the super spiros who are doing real well with that. Other people. Yeah. You know, we break it down in so many different ways, but but I'm looking for people who are willing to be broken, open, honest, transparent, genuine, vulnerable. Yeah. And if and you strike me as someone that that is like that, and is, you're also going through a very interesting stripping away time period. And so, wow, wouldn't that be? I would read. I would read that. I would so read that. I think you should write. 
Yeah, or get afraid, someone I'm else afraid. to write. Dictate. I'm it. afraid I'm not real enough to be to let oh, other people on, see and print on. what I think. <laughs> Folks, we are in the studio with Madeline Osborne, and uh, uh, just to, if you've just tuned in, we've just been bantering back and forth about Madeline's life. Uh, Madeline has uh, has done the whole Hollywood actress thing and uh, is uh, a mom, a couple of children, married to an NHL hockey player named Mark Osborne. Who you can see on the score uh, every week, I think. Is he not on every week? A couple or times a week. A couple of times a week, even. Wow. Yeah. Very late at night. Very, Very late at night. <laughs> That's right. Uh, l- before we move into our next topic, and I'll just let, give you folks the heads up here. Coming up later in our show is uh, Hiram Joseph. Very, very soon, actually. And uh, also on our show is um, Donald Miller, author of Blue Like Jazz and a bunch of other books. But the next topic we're going we're gonna to dive into is, should couples stay together just for the kids? Uh, or should they face the music and just divorce? 